0: Nothing just uh new to be honest with you, it's something that maybe just will refresh our minds a little bit, but just something by way of encouragement uh here at this Easter time uh, god the way God works uh to me is something that uh, is uh, as i as I go through scripture is something that uh is difficult for me sometimes to to see the way I ought to. But when I do, it's very, very precious to me because when I see how God responds to certain things in Scripture uh, and encourages me in my life and to realize that he can do that in my life as well. And uh, we're going to go to Luke chapter 24 in just uh, in a moment here and look at that. We find that uh, as we get to this portion of Scripture, the Resurrection has already taken place. Uh, Christ has already appeared, and we'll, we'll actually start reading in the first part of uh, Luke chapter 24 so we can see this. But he's going to appear to uh, some folks. And I uh, want us to look at something that's not usually a, uh, preached on on an uh, Easter weekend, I guess, but uh, I think ought to be, to be honest with you. Uh, we get to Luke chapter 24. The Bible says, now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning... They came unto the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared, and certain others with them. And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher. They entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. And it came to pass, as they were much perplexed thereabout, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments, and as they were afraid, and bowed down their faces to the earth. They said unto them, Why seek ye the living? Among the dead. He is not here, but he is risen. Boy, can we ever hear those words enough? He is not here, but he is risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered <coughs> into the hands of sinful men and be crucified. And the third day rise again. And they remembered his words and returned from the sepulcher and told all these things unto the eleven and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene and Joanna the, uh, and Mary the mother of James and other women that were with them which told these things unto the apostles. And their words seemed to them as idle tales and they believed them not. And we spoke on that this morning in the service. How often people hear the gospel message and yet believe not. Then arose Peter, and ran into the sepulcher, and stooped down, and beheld the linen cloths laid by themselves, and departed, wondering in himself at that which was come to pass. Behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, from which was Jerusalem about three score furlongs. And they talked together of all things which had happened, and it came to pass that Uh, While they were communing together, while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. Their eyes were holden that they should not know him. And he said unto them, What manner of communication are these, that ye have one to another as ye walk, and are sad? And one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answering, said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem, and hast not known the things which are come to pass? there in these days and he said unto them what things and they said unto him concerning Jesus of Nazareth which was a prophet mighty indeed in deed and word before god and all the people and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him but we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed israel and beside all this today is the third day since these things were done Yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished when they, uh, which were uh, very early at the sepulcher, early at the sepulcher, and when they found not his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels which said he was alive. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulcher and found it even as so, so as the women had said, but him they saw not. Then he said unto them, O fools and soul of heart, to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And Beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And they drew nigh unto the village whither they went, and he made as though he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. And it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it, and break, and gave to them. Their eyes were opened, and they knew him. And he vanished out of their sight. They said one to another, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us by the way, while he opened up? us the scripture father we come to you tonight I pray that you'll bless these next few moments just a few simple thoughts but father i believe these are some of the great thoughts of the easter season the time that we spend and set aside in the year to just be so grateful and thankful for your resurrection from the dead i pray that you'll empower and strengthen us father that you would give us discernment into your word tonight that we would understand it clearly that your Holy Spirit will speak to our hearts and encourage us along the way. That he will do his work as he sees fit. And Father, we long to see a moving of your hand in a powerful way in our lifetime. To see great revival sweeping once again. And Lord, we know that you can do it. We know that you long to do it. And I pray that you would help us to be in such a place that you can do it and we would not be hindering it. So, Father, we pray that you'd bless tonight, and Lord, as you see fit, that you would move in the service. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. We've read here a story of two men that are traveling, two of his disciples. These are not necessarily the twelve disciples. In fact, we know the name of only one of the two, and uh, we know that he was not one of the twelve. But it's amazing to me, because as I read this story uh, several years ago, and God really kind of hit my heart with a thought about this. Uh, It was amazing to see this because here's Jesus Christ and He's going through more travail than any human has had to endure in this life. He's going through the time of the crucifixion. He's going through the accusations and the heartbreak. You can only imagine the heartbreak of our Lord As his own people turn their backs on him and reject him and demand that he be crucified. And the fact that he had come for no other reason than to love them and that he would come to save them from their sins. And even though he knew that he must go through this, still the heartbreak that had to have been there as he goes through the time of the crucifixion. And yet, while on the cross, and all of the pain and all of the suffering that he was going through, and I don't know if we can even fathom trying to put ourselves in the place of Christ for a few moments, as he hung there on the cross, what would have been going through our minds if we had been there? For You see, that cross really should have been ours, shouldn't it have? And yet he took it upon himself. And while hanging on the cross, there were several things that were just amazing to me. Number one, he took the time. To think about his mother while hanging on the cross. She calls out to John and tells her, tells him to take care of his mother. And then he goes, and he gives up the ghost and he is buried and he raises again. And when Mary sees him in the garden, if we can remember the story, how that she saw him and thought he was the gardener, and he spoke to her and She was wanting to rush towards him, and he said, Don't touch me yet, for I have not yet ascended to my Father. But he gave a message for Mary to take to the disciples. I love this about the Lord Jesus Christ. He tells Mary, he says, You go and tell the disciples. And Peter, we mentioned that this morning in the message. That's amazing to me. Such a small gesture. And yet here's the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, that has... Just gone through some of the most travailing things that a man can go through. And yet he stops in the midst of all of it. And he cares for his mother. And he cares for Peter, who had denied him three times. And then the same day, and understand this, the Lord had to take his blood as our high priest to the, the mercy seat that is in heaven, the, the mercy seat that was not made by hands. And he had to take his own blood and he had to sprinkle it on the altar. And as the custom of the day was, and the idea of the high priest taking in the offering of atonement, once the blood had been shed and the priest had been purified, the priest was not allowed to be touched until that <coughs> the time of the atonement taking place as he sprinkled the blood on the mercy seat. And so Christ is very busy in this day after His resurrection, as He's resurrected from the dead. He's got a lot going on. He's talking to Mary. He's trying to comfort His disciples. And He's got to find time somewhere in that time frame. And I know He's God, and He can do all of these things in a moment. But I want you to understand the mind of our Savior, if you will. Because here He is in all the midst of all this stuff going on and. Uh, finally, the redemption of man's sin is, is at hand. He's, he's finally completed the act that for thousands of years men had looked forward to. And God had planned and God had ordained it all. And in the midst of all of it, he thinks of his mother and he thinks of Peter. And he sees two disciples on the road to Emmaus. Two men just walking along the way. And I want you to notice that the two men are saddened. As they go along. When Christ comes to him. He asks them what manner their conversation is. And why they sorrow. And in the midst of all the things. That Christ was doing during this period of time. He was concerned for their well being. Man, I don't know about you. That blesses my heart. That blesses my heart. Because I know that God. Is never too busy. To care for one person. He cares for me and He cares for you. And I'm talking about even in your daily lives, the things that come across. He is never too busy. We just sang that song, wonderful, wonderful Jesus. In my heart, He implanted the song. There's never a day so dreary that He's not there. There's never a time that we fall into sin. There's never a time that we get away from Him that He's not there calling us back. It's never a time that we fail him or that we're going through some valleys and hardships that he is not there. And all we can say about it is what a wonderful Savior. I want you to look at a couple of things here very quickly with me in verse number 15 of Luke chapter 24. The Bible says, and it came to pass while they communed together, speaking of these two disciples, and reasoned. Jesus himself drew near. And I want to say this, that in times of sorrow, in times of discouragement, it's wonderful to have a Savior that will draw near, isn't it? In all the midst of everything he had to deal with, he drew near. He came to them. The songwriter wrote years ago, The gulf that separated me from Christ my Lord was so vast, the crossing I could never afford. From where I was to his demand, it seemed so far I cried, Dear Lord, I cannot come to where you are. Then He came to me. He came to me. When I could not come to where He was, He came to me. Oh, that ought to be why we love Him with all of our hearts. Because the truth of the matter is, we couldn't get to Christ, but He came to us. Here are these two men. They're walking on the road, just insignificant to most people. You wouldn't think much about them. In fact, if you're not careful, you read through this passage and you read this and you think, well, that story doesn't really relate to a whole lot. Other than to show the fact that God sure loved these two guys. It comes to them. The Bible says in verse number 15, they draw. He drew Himself near. And then I want you to notice this. Not only did He draw Himself near, but the second part of verse number 15, and went with them. Isn't that amazing? Jesus told His disciples before He ascended back into heaven, as He commanded them to go into all the world, He says... And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the earth. What a wonderful Savior that not only comes to us, but He goes with us. And He strengthens us and He upholds us along the way. We find two things about our Savior in this passage as we go through and we read this story. These men, as they walk along and Jesus is burdened for them because they don't fully understand yet and they should have. And so he begins at Moses and he begins to expound the prophets. How that all these things had to be so for the Son of Man to be who he said he was. How that all these things had to happen in order for the atonement of man to take place. He began to preach them all these things. And I find something about our Savior and that is this. He is a personal Savior. He's not just the Savior of all of mankind, although he is. But I like what the psalmist said, Oh God... Thou art my God, early will I seek thee. He's a personal Savior. He comes to us one-on-one, individually, and it's amazing to me that no one person can accept Christ on the behalf of someone else. But every man must make their own choice. Isn't that amazing? A husband and wife cannot decide for the other. A parent for the child, a child for the parent, cannot choose for the other. But every man and every woman and every child must come to Christ one-on-one because He's a personal Savior. And I want you to know that secondly, we'll be done, He's a powerful Savior. He's a powerful Savior. So we read this story. The Bible says in verse number 30, And it came to pass, as He said it, meet with them. He took bread and blessed it and gave to them. And their eyes were opened, and they knew Him. And he vanished out of their sight. He was just gone. He had risen from the dead. And as they began to discuss this, they said in verse number 32, Did not our heart burn within us? While he talked with us by the way, and while he opened to us the scripture. Let me ask you a question. I know we all believe that he's a powerful savior. But when we open up scripture... Do our hearts burn within us? Do we allow the Holy Spirit of God to do His work in our hearts and in our lives? What an amazing thought that He comes to us and He goes with us. He's a powerful Savior. He guides and directs us along the way. The Bible speaks very clearly of the fact that the Holy Spirit comes in to reside in us. We just studied it on Wednesday night. He comes there to to comfort us. He comes there to guide us and to teach us in all truth. He comes to empower us to do His work and to strengthen us for the task at hand. And all we can say is what a wonderful Savior. We rejoice in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, but I wonder how often we forget sometimes about His ongoing work in our lives. Beyond the resurrection, what is it that God does for us? Oh, He does an awful lot. It was interesting that the Bible said in this story that these men had had their eyes closed. They had not been able to see uh, who he was. They didn't quite fully understand it. And you see that a couple of times in a few accounts that are given here after the resurrection that people didn't recognize him. Even Mary in the garden did not recognize him. But would you look with me, and I'll leave this one last thing, and we'll get into our Lord's Supper tonight as we take time for that. But look with me, if you will, in verse number 30. And it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, I want you to notice what he did here. He took bread and blessed it <coughs> and break and gave to them. And their eyes were open. We observe the Lord's Supper, and the Bible says, as oft as you do, do in remembrance of me. The idea of the new covenant in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that had been given to us because the old covenant was imperfect, was weak through the law. And the new covenant had been established, and the covenant meal in the, during the time with his disciples in that upper room had been observed, and he said, as often as you observe this, do so in remembrance of me. I want you to remember this new covenant that's been made. These two men sitting at dinner with the Lord Jesus Christ, just the simple act of the Lord taking bread and blessing it and breaking it, called to remembrance, all of a sudden their eyes were opened. They understood. They knew. We come to the Lord's table. We don't do it for the sake of just going through the ritual or the procedure of it. I I want to encourage us as we get ready for the Lord's uh, table tonight that we not think of it just as an ordinance that's to be observed through tradition or for the idea of just going through the motions of it. But the times that we come to the Lord's table are for the times for us to remember the New Covenant, the New Testament in the Lord's blood, to remember the broken body, the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul gives some words of instruction regarding it. If you'll take your Bibles tonight and turn with me to the book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, if you will. The church at Corinth was in error of observing the Lord's Supper. They were making almost a mockery of it, if you will. And Paul was trying to set some things straight and trying to give them some instruction regarding it. And he comes to uh, the 11th chapter as he writes to the Corinthians. In verse number 23, he says, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you. That the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks he broke it, and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup, and when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament <coughs> Excuse me, this do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. that they not eat or drink of the Lord's table unworthily. The idea was not for the purpose of exclusion, and I don't want you to misunderstand this. I am pastoring uh, when I was in Florida that it happened to me once or twice, and my dad had given testimony of the fact that it had happened to him a few times as he pastored as well, that there would be times after we were done with a, a service in which we observed the Lord's Supper that uh, a person would come back to shake hands with us as they left the service, and they would lean forward and, and kind of whisper in a low tone, uh, Pastor, I abstained from the Lord's Supper. There's just some things in my life that aren't right right now. And can I share this with you? I know they were well meaning people, but that was never the intent. It was never the intent of what the Lord's Supper was about. Paul never tells them to exclude themselves from the Lord's Supper. Look what Paul says to them there as we get to verse number 27 wherefore whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the lord unworthily shall be guilty of the blood and body of the body and blood of the lord but let a man examine what's the next word here himself by the way it's only your responsibility to examine yourself in this area nobody else knows your heart let a man examine himself and then what does it say and so let him what eat of that bread, and drink of that cup. So to understand that this is a time for self-examination. If there's something that is there that causes us to be unworthy of the Lord's table, it's a time for us to get it right and then to come to the Lord's table. We don't mean it as a way to say you're not able to take of the Lord's table. We here at Keith Ice Baptist Church believe that if you've been scripturally saved and you've been scripturally baptized in a church of like faith, that you meet the requirements, biblically, of partaking of the Lord's Supper. And we would invite you to be with us in the Lord's Supper, whether you're a member or a visitor, as long as you meet those two requirements. And I want to encourage you in that as well. If we would, let's have our deacons go ahead and come forward and uh, prepare for the Lord's table.